No. That's not it. Ah. There we go. They didn't ask us. Was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. And now, here are your hosts, Jay Crowder and John Mueller. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. We are back yet again for episode 55. We can count all the way to 55? Well, we're going to jump ahead. I honestly, I lost count and I haven't looked back, so... <laughs> I'll take so, it. So, who, who, who knows? Somewhere in between there. But welcome back. We are so glad to have you back uh, for this next episode. John, how are you? I am doing well. I uh, I treated myself at the beginning of the new year. I got a new headset. Oh, uh, yes. The, uh, I, I, now that you say that, I, I recognize it as a, a new headset. It is the HyperX Cloud Alpha, and it is genuinely the most comfortable headset I've ever worn. That sounds like the most complicated name I think I've ever heard. <laughs> There I mean, were so many wrong. words in that description. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong, but so far it has been... I found part of it on eBay, so it was not uh, list price. Now, does it have a mouthpiece for a microphone? It has a removable microphone. Ah, yes, very good, just like mine. So, I have it plugged into my controller so I won't lose it, because I would 100% lose it. That's actually really smart. That's actually a really good idea. I should do that with mine. I have mine just in the top drawer of my desk. So I know which drawer it's in. So if it gets moved, I know somebody's been in there that shouldn't have been in there. It was the cat, wasn't it? It was. It was the cat. I have no idea where he is right now. He could be. He could lunge up behind me at any moment. I believe that is one of the great strengths of the, of the feline species. A surprise. Yes. Speaking of surprise, lots of surprises this week. Got a lot of surprises in the news, a lot of surprises in what we're going to be talking about today. John and I have decided to cover the graphic novel Hush, Batman Hush, and we've also decided to cover the animated movie that was made several years later, actually came out just last year, is that right? It sure is. It released, it was supposed to release in March was the first date I saw for it, but that might have been when it was announced and it ended up releasing in August, I believe. Very good. Well, I just, I read Hush for the first time, uh, got it for Christmas and then watched the movie for the first time just yesterday, actually. But John, you, on the other hand, this is something that you've read multiple times. Multiple, multiple times. It is... It's between Hush and Under the Red Hood for my favorite Batman story of all time. So this is a, it's almost a quick read for me at this point because I'm just blowing through it so fast. That's awesome. I mean, that really says a lot about how good this graphic novel actually is. So I actually put something out for all of our listeners to know ahead of time what was going to be coming out this week. So I hope that you were able to go to your local comic book store or wherever you buy your graphic novels and that you were able to buy this and read this before we went over it today. If you haven't, I still encourage you to do so. Go out there and support your local businesses and buy up that graphic novel. We'd love for you to read along with us. But first, the news. The news. So first up on the docket, we have the new Mutants trailer. 
This was a little bit of a shock. I thought for sure they had pretty much canceled this release. I thought that they had said, nope, not happening. Uh, this is something that we don't think is a good idea, but... It looks like they're going to go ahead and release it anyway. John? Actually, to be honest with you, Jay, I didn't see the trailer. Oh my goodness. I'm so shocked. Dark Dark Phoenix, being as bad as it was, has turned me off from every X-Men movie of this generation. But aren't you so, just a little bit curious? I am, but at the same time, I'm self-aware enough to know it's not going to be a C in theaters for me, probably. Like, it, it just doesn't... I don't know. If I don't have any attachment to a character, and I don't know any of the characters that are in it, to my knowledge, then I'm just not going to be as interested as, um, like, if I were going to go see a not-comic-book movie, I'd be like, oh, you know, I, I'm going to go in with no knowledge of anything, but if I try to see a comic-book movie, I'm going to want to try to take prior knowledge in, and so that's that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, that makes sense. I, although, you know, to me, I kind of see it as almost like a dumpster fire or a, a train wreck or, um, you know, something really bad happening. Like, you don't want to watch it happen because it's scary and you're concerned for the people involved. But at the same time, you're very interested to see how badly is this going to fail. At the same time, though, you know, I feel like it won't be as bad. You remember that Spider-Man musical from... Uh, what what was it like 10 12 15 years ago yes of course i remember that yeah it, it can't be worse than that so that fair point that's really where my my lowest threshold of comic book entertainment is in relation to danger because like there are like did anyone die doing that or was it just people got really hurt i think people just got really hurt i don't think anybody died and then on top of that it just wasn't any good I mean, Spider-Man as a musical just doesn't really make sense anyway. Yeah, I mean, what would it be? Can you, uh, I don't know how they were able to swing that idea. Oh, Spider-Man joke. I would say get out, but you're not even in here. That's true. I'm I'm at my house. (laughs) All right. Well, moving on, we have uh, Clone Wars release date has been leaked online for February 17th. This is a continuation of the Clone Wars that we had some eight, nine years ago. Is that how long it's been? It doesn't seem like it, but I think it is. Yeah, because it was on Cartoon Network originally, and then it's been moved since then to Netflix, and then been moved since then to Disney+. Plus. So it's it's made its rounds. Yeah, for sure. Have they said when... Um, the new season is going to take place because I just finished, what was it? Season four, I think. And so season five is a completely separate plot and I want there to be, I want it to be between four and five. So from what I've heard and from the artwork that's been released from it too, it looks like it takes place right before the events of episode three because... Um, we get to see Ahsoka is much older, almost to the point where she looks like she does in uh, Rebels. And then also, if you look at Anakin's hair, um, I think everybody remembers in Episode 3, Anakin's hair is much longer in Episode 3. And in the cartoon, uh, The Clone Wars, the season that's about to come out, his hair is also really long. So I think it's approaching that point of being episode three. 
So it's right before those events. But I'm interested to see where they go with it. I think it's going to be really very interesting. I think I'm going to go into it having too high of expectations. I'm afraid I'm going to do the same thing. In in that sense, I'm a little worried um, just from a personal standpoint. Because, I mean, if I go in expecting it to be an 8 and it's a 7, I'm still going to be disappointed. But it would still be objectively better than average. So, like, if I go in expecting it to be a 2 and it's a 7 then like I have low expectations and that's something I would need to, you know, remedy with myself. Sure. But it would be so much better than I expected it to be. So I'm really torn as to how I want to go it, how I want to approach this new season. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be really good. It's going to be nice to actually have like a finish to Ahsoka's story because that's what, that was the biggest complaint was that the series just kind of ended on this huge cliffhanger with Ahsoka walking away from the Order. You know, you're not really sure what's going to happen next, and then it just ended. And the next season was like a Netflix-exclusive season, I think, and it was like following the events that Yoda went through during that time. I'm a little unsure um, about what exactly is going to happen. In that same topic of Star Wars, there is yet another Darth Vader comic that is being released um, it is Darth Vader number one. I'm just tired of Darth Vader. Because one of the one of the iterations of the Darth Vader comic is supposed to be excellent, is it not? Yes, the one the previous one that came out right before this new one was very very good. There was one that came out before Disney bought Star Wars that was pretty good. There were some things that happened that were a little questionable yeah we'll go with questionable and then (laughs) (laughs) we are a family friendly podcast after all and then there were just uh the second series that came out though once disney bought star wars was really good um i really enjoyed that series and i just don't understand why they're making another one it's darth vader i mean how much are we going to know about darth vader i'm just tired of hearing about him i mean don't get me wrong. He is one of the greatest villains that has ever been. He's up there with Lord Voldemort and Hans Gruber and all those. The Joker. I was really wanting to see what the rest of this list was going to be because I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, I'm I'm on board. I like yeah. the Hans Gruber shout out. I'm a huge diehard fan. So I mean, he's a pretty awesome villain. I'm a, I'm a diehard, diehard fan. Oh, gosh. That's You're, two puns already. Be... This is... <laughs> This you need to be could thankful be one of those that, you're, that you're on the other side of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what do you, I mean, do you think that might be a series that you might be interested in reading, the previous one? Um, if I'm able to find it in a in a bound format, so when it's a multi-issue, probably like six or seven issues together, probably. I just don't have the desire to hunt single issues that much anymore. No, no, I don't either. I'm I'm also at that point that I don't really care as much. But it is a very good uh series to read. I, I highly recommend it. But I guess we'll we'll go ahead and push forward, but Assassin's Creed, the next uh Assassin's Creed title may have been leaked. Uh it had been rumored before, but uh there's more proof that it's going to be called Assassin's Creed Ragnarok. Those of you might get that reference with uh, Thor Ragnarok and yes it will take place in that same um, not same 
world is Thor, but Thor is a, a Nordic god, and so it will come from the Norwegian area. Just Scandinavia in general, I think. Yeah. Depends on the, the era specifically, because I don't know how long you know, Scandinavian borders have been established. My That era of European history, I would say, is not my strong suit. Why not? I mean, it's just, when you study European history, it's so Western Europe focused. So you learn about specifically England, because we were an England um, colony. Right. You learn about the continent, it's like, you know, these were things from France or Germany or Spain that impacted England, and it's still very Anglo-centric. Anglo-Saxon. You weren't expecting an actual response. I was not. I was expecting you to say... Oh, you know, because there were more important things to learn about or something like that. <laughs> no bad. But I appreciate I got that. <laughs> now, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We have lost the director, Scott Derrickson. And I'm pretty sure <clears throat> my microphone just picked up the cat meowing outside the door. Or he could be on the inside of the door. He's a cat. Oh, he you don't could know. Be. Oh, my goodness. I'm so scared. <laughs> if I start <laughs> screaming. If I let out a Yelp, you already know why. It's the cat. No, Jay, we don't have a Yelp page. We need to get on that. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, so Doctor Strange has a new, or not a new director, lost their current director. Um, Not necessarily a bad sign. Uh, Sometimes things happen and a director just isn't a good fit. Sometimes the studio wants to go one direction and the director wants to go the other direction. And so it just doesn't really work out ultimately it was creative differences is what what he said right i believe so but that could mean anything yeah nowadays could be anything wb montreal they are the people that made the arkham games you are aware of this correct john i am i'm still uh fighting through arkham knight right now so fantastic well, they have released a image of a new Batman-based game. Possibly. the That's the rumor. They have released an image. It looks like a, a crest or a shield. Uh, some people have said that it could be the shield Gotham PD. So uh, Gotham City Police Department. So it could be. And so uh, this game could be about anything. I know that originally they had said they were done with Batman... Uh, some people have said that maybe they're going to do like a police based game that takes place in Gotham city where maybe you're just doing like solely detective work. I thought of LA noir. Yes, exactly. That would be super. It would be really interesting to have a detective story set in Gotham, but not Batman. Yeah. I I think that would be very, very grounded. Because yeah. a lot of a lot of Arkham is like, oh, you know, I'm solving all of these mysteries because I'm Batman and I just can. But L.A. Noir was so much more detailed, I guess. Yeah, that was also a very fun game, if I remember correctly. There was lots of details to it, but that would be a very interesting twist. Now, L.A. Noir was made by Rockstar. Is that right? It is. It's the same people behind Red Dead and uh, Grand Theft Auto. Okay, so probably won't be exactly like that, but that would be a pretty cool game. Even in in that vein, I would still be fine with that because, I mean, if you think of AAA detective games that have come out, 
I don't really think there's been one of, you know, that significant renown since L.A. Noir. You know, there have been a couple here and there, but nothing, nothing with staying power. And, I mean, L.A. Noir got remastered for the Xbox One, PlayStation 4 generation of consoles. So, I mean, it has staying power. Now, uh, last but not least, same thought, I guess, with uh, video games. We talked about this right before we started recording, but the uh, Xbox Series X, the creators, the Xbox CEO, I guess, or the Xbox, I don't know, whoever's in charge of all that junk, they have said that the Xbox Series X, which is scheduled to come out this holiday of 2020, won't mean the end of the Xbox One. Xbox plans to keep a line of products open for players to use what they want. So, I, for one, was very happy to hear this because I recently got an Xbox and was... Very excited that I was going to be able to do some gaming. And then, of course, all of a sudden, next thing I know, they released that a new Xbox is going to come out. I'm like, well, dang. So, bought this new thing, and now it's going to be obsolete in a year. But they've officially said that they're going to keep it going, at least for a while. John John and I kind of talked a little bit about it. You said... I was saying, I feel like it's just going to be a, a much more gradual transition. Because the jump from the original Xbox to the Xbox 360 felt very immediate of just saying, you know, this new console is here. We want you to buy our new console. We're going to stop production on games. We're going to stop support. Moving from 360 to Xbox One was a little more gradual. And then on this one, I guess they're still just trying like, you know, we still want you to buy our Xbox One consoles. We don't want to damage, you know, quarters one through three of sales for this year but at the same time i mean ultimately the what what do you say it is the series one x or something yeah xbox series x okay I, ultimately i do believe i mean the xbox one's going to be phased out over time it's just a matter of how long yeah i could see it being kind of like what you said maybe a good year or two of you know just this gradual transition you know, once, you know, the, of course, with every console, the first generation of it, you know, typically has a lot of bugs and has a lot of things that they got to work out the kinks. And so I could see it like, you know, it's kind of almost like a test run. And once they get it perfected, that's when it will be more like, hey, buy this thing now. You know, we've got it now to where it's near perfect. And uh, so that could I could see that happening. But that is all for the news. Well, um, is it? Is it? It is not. We did not talk about the Morbius trailer. Oh my gosh, how could I forget that? Which we could one? have a whole episode just on that alone. I mean, I feel like that'd be a really short episode comparatively, but... Oh, but I'm, it would I'm be... 100% here for this trailer, though. <laughs> so let's let's dive into this trailer. So this is Morbius... The Living Vampire? Is that his full name? I don't know if it's a full name as much as it is like a tagline. Yeah. So I don't know if it like separates him from a different Morbius because like Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man are technically separate. Right. So I don't know if it's that type of situation or if it's like Namor, the Submariner. Like he's just Namor. Yeah. So I don't know which type of situation it falls under. 
Well, I think that um, so Morbius trailer uh, at the time of this recording came out today. Uh, so this was for everybody else. This will be a week ago. But uh, Jared Leto or Leto. How do you say it? I've always said Leto. Me too. So Jared Leto is going to be playing a person who's dying, has some sort of blood disease, and he figures out a cure, which ish. involves... A cure-ish. Cure-ish. Like <laughs> that involves a vampire bat, and so he ends up doing all that science mumbo-jumbo, and next thing you know, he's a vampire. But, but, a, but a living vampire supposedly, which is a very interesting quirk. He's not undead. Precisely. Aha. Uh-huh. But what was very interesting about this trailer, I mean, there were so many things that were like, whoa, that's cool. Wow, that's really neat. But then in the background of one of the scenes, we see Spider-Man painted on the wall, but not just any Spider-Man. It's Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I don't know that I caught that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, that's what shocked me the most about it. I was like, whoa, that's Spider-Man. And then I re like, I immediately paused it to look at it again. And it's, it's very clearly Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely missed that. So then the trailer carries on, but then the ending is what everybody's kind of freaking out and losing their minds over was the vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming is at the end of the trailer and is talking directly with Morbius. On a first-name basis as well, like they go back a while. Yes, this is not a first-time meeting. I would say one of my interesting questions walking away from it, not about the trailer itself, is how it says from the studio that brought you Homecoming, Far From Home, and Venom, is that an implication that these now four movies all exist in the same timeline, in the same place? I don't know, dude. Cause I, I would, don't know. I would be all about like a Spider-Man Venom crossover. I would too. I uh, I think Venom did so well that they really could do a crossover. I really don't think that they're ever going to take what Sony has done and completely incorporate it into the MCU. I don't think that they will do that. But. I do think that this does point to that they will eventually bring the MCU Spider-Man into the Sony universe and just kind of keep his stuff separate. I could see that happening. That would be really interesting, I feel like, because most people would be calling for it to go the other way. Everyone's like, Marvel already has everything else. Just give them, you know, the the Spider-Man associated properties like Venom or Morbius, but to bring Spider-Man out i feel like is a different is kind of a flip on that viewpoint but i could i could definitely see that happening um and it it might just be part of this sony disney deal that they've had you know and sony has probably just said hey you know we actually are doing rather well like could we please start to use this version of spider-man and they've probably just said yeah you can as long as you promise to keep everything like Maybe they, Disney was just like, we're not going to bring any of your stuff over. Just keep, just be aware of that. Uh, I know somebody's kind of compared it to how Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, like they mentioned the MCU, but they didn't fully bring them over. 
Yeah, they existed on the periphery is how I would describe it. Right, and so this might be the same case with Morbius and Venom. I will be very interested to see what they do with that. Wow. What a way to end the news. Yeah, that was... I'm... I'm I feel like I can't be objective about it, though, because I'm such a huge Jared Leto fan. Like, his, the band he's in was one of the bands that kind of defined my college era. And like, What? If, what? I didn't know he was in a band. Yeah, he is the frontman of 30 Seconds to Mars. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that completely went over my head. Yeah, so, I mean, he's in that. He, what, I mean, he was in Fight Club. Right. He was Joker, and I... I previously have defended his joker on this podcast i believe so yes you have i just i'm a huge jared leto fan and i feel like that's kind of going to sway my opinion of this movie i think it'll be interesting for sure i i I think that he he's a person who's this role i feel like is a good role for him so i'll be interested to see what he does with it but moving on from news uh john you actually got a letter from somebody i did uh, which is really exciting. Love it when our fans reach out to us. But John got a letter, and uh, John, I'll, I'll let you take it away. All right. Um, I had a I had a listener reach out to me, just wanting to. He he asked us to kind of cross the bridge from the typical media that we talk about to the uh, the Japanese inspired things, so like anime, manga, that avenue. And you know, I talked to I talked to Jay about it a little bit. My personal experience with it i would say i've dabbled so like i've kind of hit the high points um so like anything in tremendous depth i feel like i have not encountered dabbled i feel like is a good word because the most that i've been exposed to it is of course growing up when i was younger i I loved uh dragon ball z of course uh and then of course later on dragon ball gt now i have not gotten on dragon ball super at all i've watched like maybe half of the first season but it was one of those things where i I just kind of dropped it i kind of stopped with watching that but i've never really been exposed to it i have seen a few of the things like the big name things let's see for example uh gosh i'm gonna butcher the names because i can't remember them uh Pongo? Ponyo? I think the... I think it's Ponyo, but I don't Ponyo. that is that is not one of the um Miyazaki's that I have seen. I've seen that one. I've seen the Flying Castle or Moving Howl, Castle. Howl's Flying. I think it's Howl's I don't know, Howl's Castle. I know it's that. Yeah. I've, I've seen that, but I've only seen it once. I've seen that one and then also one that I remember specifically and I don't even know if this was if you could technically called an anime but it was like kiki's delivery service she was a witch and she flew around delivering packages and whatnot i mean i would i would think it would but i also am not you know i'm a self-described not expert i don't remember who made it so that's why i say i'm not sure if that really counts yeah i would say mine is more series not as much movies so i mean i've seen the the anime movie that jumps out at me is um, Princess Mononoke. Yes, it's I've seen another, that one too. Another Miyazaki is supposed to be really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot. I've been meaning to rewatch it for like a decade. So that's and one I've of those. I've never been that, able to find it. Well, that's one of those that like I had heard from like movie reviewers that I have a lot of respect for. They've said that that's one of the best 
anime movies like ever made. So I, I went ahead and watched it just because of that alone. Um, in fact, I think it may have been on one of those lists that's like, these are the top 100 movies that you should see before you die, you know, and I saw that one and I was like, okay, well, I should check it out. And it's, yeah, I don't know, it's one of those things that it's a, it's a culture thing, I guess, because there's a lot of stuff in there that I don't necessarily understand, and I'm like, okay, well, that's good, but I'm not really sure if I completely get what's happening, but I am very interested in it. Yeah, because I'm trying to think the... The ones that I've seen, like you said, Dragon Ball Z was really the kind of the gateway. It's a very easy door to walk through, I feel like. Yu Yu Hakusho was one I watched a little bit of. It was Spirit Detective. There was a lot going on there. Interesting. Uh, Roroni Kenshin was one of my favorites. It was like a era-dependent Japanese story. So it was when they were changing from the feudal Japan to the kind of modern... It's kind of the same era. Do you remember that Tom Cruise movie, The Last Samurai? Yes. It was kind of, I think, I would say a little earlier than that movie, but that same type of cultural dynamic. Okay. That's a um, good movie. I, it's very underrated, I feel like. But, I'm again, there are swords in it, so I'm obviously going to be biased towards the swords. Right. Um, there was one, I. it was called Zoids. It was like robot animals that would fight each other, hmm. but I've never been able to find it anywhere. And they had kits that you could build the, you could build the the animals. That's fun. And they were su- they were super cool. So well, like, Gundam was another show that I think everybody watched. Voltron. Gundam is super confusing for me because like Mobile Suit Gundam is on Hulu. And I started watching it, and I was like, this is not the show that I remember from when I was younger at all. Like, it's it's very grown up and politically driven, and I don't know. I mean, it's good, but it's not as fast as I would have wanted it to be. It's kind of slow sometimes. So John has suggested that maybe we should watch, find one of these movies, and he and I should watch it and then review it and just talk about what we thought about it, you know, maybe... You know, where I I don't know if my opinions might be swayed because that's not really something I've been into in the past. But I'm hey, I'm willing to expose new mediums. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely am as well. So, um, I imagine we could probably find a find a list somewhere and agree on picking one of them out or something. Yeah. But again, I mean, shout out to to that listener. You know, if you have anything you want us to take a look at or some opinion that you have that we might have overlooked you know you can always let us know please do you can email us at they didn't ask us at gmail.com we also have a facebook page they didn't ask us no excuse me facebook.com slash they didn't ask us i got ahead of myself there and uh, you can leave a comment on our page we also will randomly put out trailers and maybe articles that we found interesting or memes that we thought were funny. And then, like I said, I put out what we were going to be reviewing this week so that everybody could catch up and follow along with us. Moving on to the main course. And boy, is it something. Yeah, this is, I mean, I've said before this episode, this is one of my favorite Batman stories ever. So... 
I hope you brought your stretchy pants because there's a lot to consume in this next section. As soon as you said stretchy pants, I went straight to Thanksgiving and I was like, I'm not prepared. (laughs) But, I mean, would you agree that that's how much is in this graphic novel? The first time I read it, it was very difficult to digest, I feel like. It's a lot. So, because you have read it Many times more than I. Oh, goodness. I feel like you should give us maybe a brief, what was it about? What what happened? What happened? By the way, if you don't know already, we have spoilers all throughout this podcast. So do not come to this podcast thinking that we are going to talk spoiler free because that is not what we do here. Let's see. It's hard to do a quick synopsis because there are like specific events that have so much more gravity than others do that's true which is why i really encourage our listeners to go and listen or not listen excuse me our listeners to go and read the content themselves so that they have a better understanding gosh i don't i don't know if i can if i can summarize it because it's just so batman it's it encompasses the whole batman world which i feel like from the stories that i've read are fairly lin like a lot of the Batman stories are fairly linear, mm-hmm. but this one it pulls from everybody. You know, it involves it almost every notable villain to some degree or another. It involves most of the Bat family. It does. Um, Jim Lee's art is amazing. Um, he's that he's actually the reason why I was so apprehensive to read the Long Halloween uh, because I'm so used to that artist's style the guy who did the art for hush i liked the suit in this one um i like the suit a lot this is that classic gray with the black bat symbol and then the real dark blue cowl and cape and boots and gloves and then briefs i mean there's not really another way to say that no that's pretty much the only way to say it but i really feel like so they, they, in the comics, this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but in the comics, uh, Superman, they've brought back the red briefs and the rebirth. And I'm actually really glad that they did that because I just like that classic look. It's a good look. When I think of superheroes, that's what I think of. So I know how I can start this out. So it starts out with, we can kind of jump ahead a little bit. Batman is chasing Catwoman from rooftop to rooftop. Mm-hmm. and Catwoman's basically like, hope you're enjoying the view because that's the only thing you're going to catch tonight. And then she's still running away from him. And Batman is swinging and gets his line gets shot or torn and he falls. And as he's falling, he hits his head. No, he tries to catch a gargoyle. That breaks, and then he lands, boom, on the ground, has a really bad head injury, gets rescued by Huntress, and he has some severe brain trauma uh, to the point where he is unable to move or speak or, like, anything. He's basically in a coma, and they're trying to figure out what to do and who to get help, and... Batman starts doing Morse code on the table. He's like, you should get Thomas Elliot. He's the best brain surgeon in the world. And so they do. 
That's what they do. They get Thomas Elliot. Thomas heals him. Uh, find out that Thomas was Bruce's best friend growing up. Very competitive with each other. Very close. They became particularly close after Thomas's father passed away. I think it was Thomas's father passes away and Bruce's parents had passed away. Right. And they pass away like within like a few weeks of each other or something like that. And so they become particularly close after that. Uh, but they've kind of lost the closeness over the years just because, you know, Bruce is Batman. He's also a billionaire and just doesn't have time for that. And uh, uh, Bruce is okay. He comes out all right. And then that's when everything starts to intensify. So it kind of starts out slow. So you're like, okay, this horrible accident happened. How'd that happen? Okay, well, we're just going to ignore that for now. And then all this other stuff starts happening. Um, You find out Ivy is involved. Superman gets involved. Tries to kill Batman and Selina. Because he's under Catwoman. Because he's under control of Poison Ivy. Yep. And they snap him out of it. Let's see. Joker gets involved at one point. So does Harley Quinn. And the Batman the whole time is like, something is something bigger is happening. Like, why are all these people getting involved? Then Thomas ends up getting shot. Spoiler. <laughs> Let's see. Who else gets involved? Oh, the Riddler gets involved at one point. Ra's al Ghul gets involved at one point. The, uh... They bring back Jason Todd and Clayface. Yes, that was an intense scene. Because at the time, I when I was reading it, I was like, whoa, I didn't know he came back this way. He didn't. there's this huge fight between Jason Todd and uh, Batman, and you're like, what? And then Batman figures out, like, while he's fighting him, because Batman is who he is and observes everything, he's like, now, wait a minute. Jason doesn't fight like that. That's not his fighting style. So he figures out that it's actually Clayface. And then, Two-Face gets involved. Mm-hmm. What, I can't. Was Penguin in this at all? Or is no, he like, Penguin was not. Is he like the only one that isn't? I, I think so, yeah. He's the only villain that is not at all involved. But yeah, so it's just, it's a, it's a whirlwind, a roller coaster from one thing to the next. The plot keeps getting thicker. You're trying to figure out... It, I think what I loved about the, the novel was they did such a good job of keeping you guessing. Because you start to think, oh... Because, like, Two-Face shows up and he's better. He's healed. Mm-hmm. He's had plastic surgery done. And you're like, oh, so it was Two-Face. And then it ends up not being Two-Face. And then you're like, oh, it was Clayface? No, wasn't Clayface. You're like, okay, so who was it? So you, you like keep guessing the whole time. And then at the very end, it's finally revealed. Big reveal. There's actually really, it's kind of like a two-part reveal. Kind of like in the way Long Halloween was. Where it ends and you're like, oh, okay. And then there's actually that little extra piece at the end. And you're just like, whoa. Yeah. It's like a more intense Scooby-Doo. That's actually incredibly accurate. (laughs) Mr. Jenkins, it was you? No, actually it was me, but there's a bigger plot involved. But this is not Scooby-Doo, this is Batman. Do you want to reveal who the big reveal is? The big reveal. Hush, the title villain, 
in his trench coat and bandaged face is Thomas Elliot. <gasps> Gasp. Who is not dead somehow, despite he being is not shot by the Joker outside of the opera. Not dead. It was Tom. Uh, Thomas Elliot. Almost said Thomas Wayne. It was Thomas Elliot the that whole time. That would be time. a plot twist. That would absolutely <laughs> be a twist. <laughs> uh, some, but yeah, so Thomas Elliot was behind right it all. And like I said, there's like more underneath. Like there's more behind it than what you think. And so Batman ends up talking to the Riddler. And it turns out that Riddler was actually the mastermind of the whole thing he had a brain tumor went to thomas for help thomas was like nope sorry can't help you and so he finds a lazarus pit goes into the lazarus pit comes back out he has more clarity and everything is revealed to him and he becomes smarter and then he's able to plan out this huge thing and of course most of the people were able to be Oh, Killer Croc got involved, too. I forgot about that one. Yeah, he was uh, pretty early. He was the first one. That's right. That's why he was chasing after Catwoman, was because Killer Croc kidnapped that boy. Mm-hmm. So um, you find out that most of them, most of the, all the villains were involved, and they were all involved mostly because of money. They all wanted money uh, for How the How dare part. they? Now, some of them, like the Joker, he was like, Oh, you're going to bring Jason Todd into this? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely in. Uh, Killer Croc wanted a cure to his... Condition. Crocness. You could say the scales of justice are never in his favor. Oh, dear. Do (laughs) alligators have scales? I don't know, but the joke was there. You cringed. It was (laughs) worth it. I think they have leathery skin. Anyway, moving on from that... uh, it was very cool because it was just cool to see how intricate it was and how many pieces were moving. And that was that was a common theme through the whole thing. I really liked that was uh, Bruce and Thomas. All the flashbacks were usually of them playing games with each other. Uh, and they would play like strategy games like chess or whatever game they were playing. It was almost like a more advanced yeah. risk or something Fan- fancy chess yeah and so they were uh playing that and so they just you know it was all a game it was all about games and and so that's what hush was all about and so they called it hush because they were keeping it on the dl do you want to hear one of my favorite things about about hush and it's gonna ruin something else for you oh no what so do you know that you know the scene with jason todd and clayface yeah. In Under the Red Hood, there's a, I think it alludes to it at the end, there's a separate issue that stands alone from the rest of the plot. That's actually a two-part fight. The first half of the fight is Jason Todd. Oh, really? The first half of it, he is back, and it actually is him. But at some point, he swaps out with Clayface because he oh. doesn't want to get caught. And if you realize oh. it, if you go back and knowing that, I've gone back and read that scene before, or I've gone back and read it again, and... You know, if you look at the dialogue, he never calls him Bruce. He never calls him, you know, Wayne. He only calls him Batman. He doesn't divulge anything um, to, like that Clayface would know. Like, he he still keeps the secret. He wanted, to, I guess he wanted to just check up and see what that 
introduction would do to Bruce. Just the shock of like, wait a second, you are like super dead, but he wasn't. So the first half of it genuinely is Jason, but the second half of it, once it starts, obviously like once he starts recognizing like, no, this couldn't be it. This, this can't be happening. That was Clayface. Oh, okay. See, that's very interesting because at the end of the fight, his grave is empty. Like Jason Todd's grave is empty because that whole fight takes place in the cemetery and it is empty. So you know that he's not there anymore, but I wondered that. So that's why it's empty is because he actually has already been resurrected at that time. Huh? Very cool. Well, I got to read Under the Red Hood now, too. So does Under the Red Hood take place right after Hush? Was that the next year series? I'm not sure. Because, I mean, theoretically, all the resurrection stuff of it would have to take place before. Oh, right. So it would just be happening separately from the Hush plot. But in terms of when the issues themselves fall, I've actually never looked into it. But I would imagine they're fairly similar. Man, it is good. And probably like you, I'm going to go back and read it again, too. Because there there are so many pieces. In fact, so going into the movie a little bit, uh, first off... Just going to go ahead and put it out there. Really did not like the movie at all. Thank you. I was very upset with the movie. Mainly because they change the main thing at the end. They completely take that away. So I was actually very upset. But at the same time, uh, I like as that was going on, as the ending of the movie was going on, I actually pulled back out the comic and started rereading the scene with uh, Batman and Riddler because there's just so much that is like it's almost like all dialogue those last few pages just had to I was like reading it like bit by bit and was like okay did I miss something was he actually not there so good so as a as a superman fan what was your opinion of him just being straight up manipulated like that with superman being manipulated by poison ivy yeah well i mean it made sense the only thing that i was a little skeptical of was for ivy to get that close to him to be able to kiss him that i i don't really see how that would have happened because clark would not have done that no like clark would not have just kissed some woman just for the heck of it. Now, New 52 Superman, he definitely would have. <laughs> I would not have uh, put that past him at all. Yikes. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad they did this rebirth and went back to the old, old Superman because New 52 was... He was a terrible person. But anyway, <laughs> um, g- going past that, though, yeah, I, I, I mean... It, it worked well for the plot, you know, it moved the plot along, but I was a little bit like, yeah, Clark wouldn't have done that. That's not who Clark is. He's a Boy Scout. Maybe it, maybe there was a, a kissing a supervillain badge that he needed to get. That's it. Yep. That's what it is. <sighs> That's what it was. He's like, my sash is almost completely full. I just need... One more badge. Can I please just kiss you? <laughs> uh, that makes it sound like it's his idea. That's really funny. He's like, yeah, <laughs> please, please, Miss Isley, please. Yeah, you're here. You're pretty. Can I kiss you? 
Yeah, forget that I have a wife. Were they married at this point? Uh, or is it just one of those, like, they had been dating for, like, 60 years? Yeah. Uh, I think they were married at this point, if I remember right. Because in the in the new comics, they actually have a son, which is awesome. I feel like that raises more questions than, than it can answer. But that's definitely not the not the topic at hand. Um, so from from an adaptation standpoint, just kind of segue from the book to the movie for Hush. Um, you said your main criticism is the ending. My yeah, in fact, as I was watching it, I started taking notes of what they changed, and for the most part, like I kind of understand why they changed a lot of it. It made sense, you know, because kind of like, I think you may have said this another time, but uh, Reign of the Superman was the last animated movie before this one. And so they were trying to fit this one in with that one, like that they were connected. The events were connected. And so I got that, but there were still a lot of, yeah, there were a lot of minor changes that I understood why they did it. But yeah, my my main criticism was the end. I would say those are both of mine as well, um, because the end I just I I was so mad. I was so mad at what they did to the ending of this because this plot is so so good and so rich, um, and I feel like they just devalued it at the end. It's almost like a oh well our you know our ninety six minutes is almost up. We have to wrap this up. Um, and right. Yeah, and I had referenced the reign of the Superman thing because it treats it almost as if it's in the, like in the DC animated universe, as if they exist, like all these stories exist one after the other, and you can watch them all in a row, and it's gonna make sense. And that I don't necessarily agree with because I feel like a lot of them should have the ability to stand alone. So I mean, if it's if it's related plots like the death of superman or death of superman and then rise of the supermen then like those a reign of the supermen sorry then those kind of make sense because they do go back to back but reign of the supermen has nothing to do with hush so that's one of the other things why i love the adaptation of under the red hood because it's practically just a one-off so it doesn't have to tie into anything else and when you have that freedom with your storytelling i feel like it's a lot better you can actually do the things you want to do and honestly that's to me that's just good writing you know if you're able to write these stories to where they are they could be seen as a standalone like even reading the graphic novel you know it was a it was the series like it was a full year of batman and then they just compressed it all into one book and then sold that book. And even when you're reading that, you don't have to have read everything else that came before. Because Batman will even, you know, there's a lot of internal dialogue throughout the comic. And Batman, like, gives you background on certain things. And so you don't have to have followed everything. And to me, I feel like that, Kind of like exactly what you said. I feel like the movies, the animated movies specifically, like they should follow that same uh, formula where you don't have to have seen every single animated movie to understand what's going on. Now, what are your thoughts on 
the Batman Selena, uh, Bruce Wayne Selena romance. I feel like a Bruce Wayne Selena romance has always kind of taken backseat to a Batman Catwoman romance. So it's one of those there, like both of their personas are each aware of each other. So like Bruce Wayne in his social circles as a billionaire socialite, I guess. I don't know. Does that work? Can you call a guy a socialite? I've never actually. You got me. I have no idea. Um, So he's at these well-to-do functions and Selena is a cat burglar. So she's mingling, you know, casing out victims and things like that. So they're socially aware of each other. Um, and then obviously their their alter egos are very aware of each other with Selena still being a cat burglar. And, I mean, Batman trying to uphold the law. So, I mean, from my, from my perspective, the Bruce-Selena dynamic has always been less interesting than a Batman-Catwoman dynamic. I do like them together, though. I feel like, personality-wise, they fit together. And... Now, in the new comics, aren't they married now? I believe so. I believe they yeah. are. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've read, like, issue by issue a Batman comic since probably Detective when New 52 started. Because there were, there were the three main Batman ones when New 52 started, and they all kind of had their specialty. Um, and I typically went with Detective because it was the the more detective stories, whereas Batman was kind of the overarching plot and the dark Knight was kind of the more iffy, like kind of magic-y and the kind of more out there villains. I want to say one of the main villains of the first run was Tetch. I'm not a huge Tetch fan. Hmm. So yeah, I haven't read a lot of the, I don't, I don't know if I've read any rebirth book actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I didn't read a lot of the rebirth. I know that, um, you know, Doomsday Clock has kind of been the biggest story that's come out recently. I haven't read it at all, but from what I've heard, it's horrible. Isn't it supposed to tie Watchmen into the main DC universe? Yes, it it does. And I think that's what everybody's so upset about, because Watchmen has always been a separate thing, and they tied Watchmen into it. So people were a little, little, little upset about that. Which I haven't watched any of the new series, the Watchmen series. I have not either. It's HBO, is it not? It is. Yeah, that is why I have not watched it. There you go. Well, so normally we would do a Dreamcast with our um, graphic novel, but because this already had a a movie, I guess you could say, uh, we won't do that this time. Well, and also there would just be so much overlap. That's true. Because there are so many mutual characters from Long Halloween to Hush. I feel true. like it would be it would be fairly redundant. It would. Good point. Well, overall, so we've read both of them. Or read. Gosh. We read one, watched the other. Uh, let's start with the movie. Start with the movie. I will say, and I will preface this by saying, this is probably my fault. Um, because, I mean, I've said this a thousand times in this episode i love this plot so much so i went into this having just incredibly high unmeetable expectations so it could have been perfect and i still would have been disappointed that being said it was not perfect so i feel like my disappointment was more justified and just on a flat one to ten scale i'm gonna give the adaptation a six a six out of ten yes i 
went into it having just read, like I had just finished the book maybe four hours before watching the movie. I went into the movie knowing that there was going to be differences, of course. You know, I think with any movie adaptation, you know there's going to be something that's going to be changed. And at first I was like, okay, that's a few minor changes. You know, they introduced Thomas like really early, which to me, when I saw that, that was kind of a red flag to me. I thought, uh... It, that may not be a good sign. It accentuates your Scooby-Doo metaphor because Scooby-Doo villains are always introduced early and then forgotten about. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, I was... So, Antonio, uh, who's my son, he had he hasn't read it yet, but he watched the movie with me first, and then he's going to read the comic. So, I'll actually... I'll have to ask him when he finishes the comic, which one did you enjoy more? Uh, because when the movie started and Hush had just like when, when Batman's line got shot, he immediately said, I think that was Thomas. And I was like, Oh, well maybe you never know. And then like later on, it doesn't, it actually ends up not being Thomas at all. And I was like, wow, he was actually very perceptive on that, but kind of like exactly what you just said. You know, the Scooby-Doo villain is always, like, the first person you meet. And so that logic, you know, him being nine years old, that may have been his logic, you know, was, oh, we just met that guy. I bet that was him. (laughs) But, yeah, so I know they had to make some changes, but they just changed too much at the end to where they just completely changed the story. So I'm actually going to put it, at maybe a four or five Under, out of ten. Understandable. Uh, just because at the end, I was very disappointed that they changed the story so drastically. So, I feel like that kind of goes without saying that we both agree that the book is oh much better gosh. than the movie. I have a I have a really hard time. I don't like rating things perfect ratings, but I have a really hard time not giving this book a ten. Well, just... Knowing how many times you've read it, I completely understand if you do give it a 10. Like I almost want to give it like a 9.5 out of principle. <laughs> Just because I feel like, like a perfect graphic novel, a perfect movie, a perfect anything, I feel like it just doesn't exist. Yeah. So like somewhere inside of it, there's a flaw that I don't see, but I just, I don't see it. So... I'm going to I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of principle. I can't do it. I can't give it a 10. Will you will John ever rate anything a 10? I think you'll just have to keep tuning in and see what I have to what I have to do. You will. There might come a time. We never know. I'm never going to rule it out. Well, I think my rating I'm going to give it I did really enjoy it. I think I enjoyed this better than The Long Halloween. I definitely like the art style better than long Halloween. So I'm going to say, I'm not sure what I gave long Halloween actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 because it is very good. And like you said, I mean, it's pretty close to being perfect. I think I'm going to give it a a solid eight. I mean, that that works for me. I mean, definitely. If you're only going to do one, which is like, if you're only, if you're just trying to decide if you're going to read it or watch it, read it, read it hundred percent. Every time. Yeah. I will never watch that movie ever again. 
I don't plan on it. I might watch it with Meg um, if she reads it and decides she wants to see what we're so upset about. <laughs> but other than yeah. that, I can't say that I plan on just like sitting down because there are so many excellent, excellent adaptations that you can choose from. So I don't know why you would pick a bad one. But that's, again, a story for another time. Exactly. Well, very good. That was fun. It was. It was it was a, kind of a shakeup to read it and see its adaptation, kind of compare them. So it was, it was fun to try something new like that. I would really like to do this for Red Sun. Do we, does it have a release date yet, or is it just kind of looming? I don't know. I don't know what the release date is. I know it's, I believe it's sometime this year, but I'm not sure when. But I would love to, because that, that one, you know, well, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Superman fan, but I love that take on Superman. It was really cool. Did Have you read it yet? I know I lended it to you. I started it, and then someone asked me to play Call of Duty, so I played Call of Duty. I'm sorry. I understand that. Well, very cool. Well, we might have to do that one too. Absolutely. Well, cool. well guys, I hope that you really enjoyed, and girls, I hope that you really enjoyed uh, the review. I hope you enjoyed the book. I hope you enjoyed, well, I hope you finished you the movie. enjoyed the movie. I hope you finished yeah. the movie is really where we're going to get with that. Yeah, I hope you finished it. <laughs> now, everybody has a difference of opinion. So That's if fair. you feel, you know, if you feel that we're wrong, please tell us that we're wrong. We want to hear from you. We want the letters. We want the angry posts. Like, I don't care. You can call me all con- all kinds of names. Uh, it's not going to bother me at all. But it is a family-friendly podcast, so please, if you're going to use profanity, use the, the funny characters that are, you know, up there with the numbers. Just use those to censor yourself. It'll be much more comical. Yes, we'll all laugh at that and might even join in. Again, I won't rule anything out. In two weeks, looks like we might be doing an anime. We'll let you know ahead of time which one we do so that you can also watch it yourself and then judge it along with us. We're so judgmental on this show. That's such a, that's such a strong word as well. I prefer being a, being, <laughs> I prefer critique because yeah. critique doesn't have just, if you judge something, it's implying just this negative connotation. But you can critique, and there's still kind of a negative vibe in it, but it's also like, you know, you're being a little pickier, so you're not going to be as like, well, it was just bad. Like, critiquing is, it was bad, and here's why. So we are critiquing. Or just plain reviewing. That's definitely a a more neutral. We're we're definitely being critical. I I mean... Well, tune in with us in two weeks when we're being critical yet again. (laughs) And uh, please share our podcast with your friends. Uh, Share it with anyone that you feel like would really love this show. Uh, We really want as many listeners as we can get. Love your support. Thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to interact with us on on Facebook and our email, on our Anchor page. Yes, on Anchor you can leave us a voice message. We can listen to that and then even play it on the show. But I am Jay, and with me as always has been... Co-host John. Co-host extraordinaire. Yes. Thank you very much, guys. We'll see you in two weeks. And until then, nerd out. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of They Didn't Ask Us. 
If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to us at they didn't ask us at gmail.com. You can also reach us on our social media. Our newly created Facebook account, facebook.com slash they didn't ask us. While you're there, uh, feel free to like our posts, follow our page, and share our content with your friends. We would love to have you. Check back with us in two weeks to hear more ramblings and opinions from your new favorite podcast. Thank you.